0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network, and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 224. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed.
1: As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord I'm not a human being I walk in eternity Brave hearty
0: Change my dear And it seems on a moment too soon Unlimited vice pudding Physician Wearing a bit thin Fantastic I
2: am Scottish I can complain about things Ta-da. Ooh. Should be fine
0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 11th Doctor story called Night Terrors. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, make sure you're following The Secrets of Doctor Who on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should always hit the bell to get notifications. Uh, It's the cloister bell, right? That's what the notifications are. So uh, yes, we're talking about this 11th Doctor story called Night Terrors, and uh, this is from the second season. It's the mid part of the season. We just got done with a lot of River Song stuff, and now we're kind of moving into a little more of the usual episodic stories, although there's still references to the Season-long arc in this one. Uh,
1: This is Matt Frad's doctor, um, not Matt. Matt Smith's doctor. (laughs) Yeah, Matt Frad's doctor has the Australian accent, but isn't a stewardess. Now that
0: I would watch.
1: (laughs) No, Matt Smith's doctor, and it's the second Matt Smith season.
0: Yeah, my recollection of this episode before I rewatched it was I didn't like it very much, Mm -hmm. but now rewatching it, I think I like it a little more. Hmm. Uh, but what do you guys think of this episode,
2: Father? I see. I'm kind of in in the middle on it. There, there's, I like the fact that it is more or less a just standalone story. Uh, when I was looking at the the TARDIS wiki, they mentioned you know the the episode "Fear Her," which of course is the episode we, yep. we pan with good reason. And there's, I think that's a good comparison to make, other than the idea that there are children involved and people are going disappearing they're also really not that great of episodes but it's just kind of a redone redone do of that story
0: i thought that there was it was a little bit of a going over some familiar ground as well I, I agree jimmy what do you think i have almost never
1: seen this one i mean i saw it when it first came out and i didn't like it and so i haven't rewatched it you know regularly since then it's i'm sure been years since i've seen this And so I'd forgotten basically everything except that it was about a little boy and I didn't like it. And it's about a little boy and I didn't like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we should kind of recap what the story is uh, as we go. Uh, So, Or before we go through it, uh, I should mention that it was written by Mark Gatiss, who is uh, Stephen Moffat's writing partner on many things, including Doctor Who. Many of which are better than this. (laughs) <laughs> most of it are yeah. better. Uh and it it the, the theme is once again the doctor's empathy toward kids. You know, that the fact that the doctor is seeking out and helping children. This we see this a lot. We've seen this, like you said, in Fear Her. We saw this with uh Amelia Pond and the 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 and I think it's a sort of a BBC theme for New Who, especially in the Matt Smith era, the idea of the Doctor because it's a it's a show aimed at you know they they consider it a family show aimed at kids that sort of thing so uh, I thought that was interesting but the 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 main idea the recap the synopsis is the doctor gets a a, a message on the psychic paper from a boy that in in London saying save me he lives in in the council flats and it says uh, save me from save the me monsters. From-
1: Yeah, Save Me From the Monsters. The kid is terrified of unseen monsters. His mother has a ritual where she turns on and off the light five times, and they put mentally anything he's afraid of in a cupboard. But he's clearly not well-adjusted, and his parents are very concerned about him. As his mom is going off to work, she says that he needs a doctor. And so when the doctor shows up, his father assumes that he's been sent by like public health authorities and the doctor tries to help the kid. Meanwhile, Amy and Rory disappear, as does a neighbor lady and the landlord and strange stuff happens. And eventually, parental love solves everything.
0: Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah, they get sucked into basically into the cupboard, into the wardrobe, and uh, <laughs> which mm. is another wardrobe related one we don't really like. But or at least I don't really like it. I I I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I I don't really like that one.
1: Their their the, version of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh, but they get sucked into the dollhouse that's in the in the uh, cupboard. Right. Uh, that's where Amy and Rory and the landlord and the and they get changed into peg dolls. In the meantime, that that's the part of this episode I I was least favorable toward this the weird turning into peg dolls i know you've got to have some sort of peril you know some sort mm-hmm. of uh, th- problem that the doctor has to solve uh but i i don't know i thought the the whole peg doll thing was weird and i didn't yeah. get it i, I like th-
2: i like the idea of that they got basically transformed shrunk down and put into the dollhouse that was i thought that was kind of a interesting idea or a neat idea i can't say interesting but a neat idea you know especially when they're trying to you know they're going around the house and it looks like this you know old mansion, you know victorian style mansion and oh everything is made of wood including the frying pan and the chicken you know right and i, I thought that was kind of a a, a, a neat neat idea but yeah the, the idea that if the peg dolls catch you you get turned into one and you know there were what four or five of them so and we saw Three people get changed, so I wonder who else had gotten sucked into this place that we didn't know about. Of course, they don't really talk about that at all. There just happens right. to be more, more peg dolls than there were people we saw on screen getting turned into are, one. Are these things actually peg
1: dolls? They oh, Because I've, dolls. I've, yeah. I've just looked up yeah. peg dolls on the internet since I'm not familiar with them, and they seem to be dolls that are made out of pegs. And these are wooden dolls, but they're articulated, they have arms, they can grab you with, and things like that.
0: The, everything I saw online referred to them as peg dolls, but I'm no expert, so mm. uh, <laughs> I'll go with wood dolls or peg dolls. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. kind of weird um, either way. Yeah, and you're right, Father Corey. there is these extra dolls in there, and we, we don't know. Like, who, who are they? Why are they? There, that is the big hole in this story, is the... You know, we we have a lot about the origins of Georgie, the little boy, who is really a doppelganger alien. Mm-hmm. Th- that sort of story, but but we don't understand. You know, there's no explanation of, you know, how how the mechanics, well, the mechanism. Th- they they yeah.
1: eventually give us one. It's that, but why don't we actually save that? Let's talk about where okay. the show starts going wrong, which is the beginning. So you know this is meant to be a horror-themed episode, so this Mm -hmm. should work like a little horror movie. And horror movies can be slow-moving. There are slow-burn horror movies that are very effective, Mm -hmm. but this isn't one of them. Yeah, it's boring. So I have in my notes there. You know, we have this initial opening sequence with the with the boy and the mom. The boy's name is George. And she's trying to get him to go to sleep, but he's just scared of everything. And it's not obvious why. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's nothing here to establish why this kid is afraid. And so we were given nothing objective. We're just shown a lot of stuff with camera work from his point of view that's meant to suggest scary things, none of which are actually scary. Then... He sends this telepathic message out into space, which the doctor gets on the psychic paper, and the doctor shows up, and the doctor, Amy, and Rory start going around. I think they're called Council Flats mm-hmm. in yeah. in in England. Here we'd call it like a a development project. Yep. Yeah, um, public housing. They, public housing. But they're they're going around knocking on all these people's doors. So they've piloted their way all the way through the universe to this housing project, but they don't know which which you know. Yeah. apartment that the kid is in. And mm-hmm. so they they're, they split up, and Roy's knocking on doors, and Amy's knocking on doors, and the doctor's knocking on doors, and they keep meeting people who are not the right people.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: this is meant to be funny, because yeah. Yeah. we have all these awkward interactions between them and the apartment dwellers, and it none of it's funny. Mm-hmm. Then... Amy and Rory get in an elevator and have a falling experience and vanish. And then we see a little old lady go out to take the garbage out, and she gets sucked into a trash pile, or a pile of garbage bags anyway. Mm-hmm. And then Amy and Rory wake up in an old house, and, and there are no lights. Fortunately, Rory has a flashlight, but they find a wooden pan that's been painted to look like a copper pan, and a and a little and a lamp that they can turn on. It's like an electric lantern, mm-hmm. only it's really big and weird looking and kind of old fashioned mm-hmm. And then they open a drawer and there's a giant glass eye, which they touch and realize this is just a glass eye, it's not somebody's actual eyeball. And as soon as they found the glass eye, I said they're in a dollhouse. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the explanation mm-hmm. for all these things. Then the doctor finally finds the the dad and bluffs his way in to see George, pretending to be from child services or something, and he has a bunch of back and forth with the dad. The unsympathetic landlord comes over with his dog to collect the rent, while the doctor is entertaining George with his sonic screwdriver. And it becomes obvious to the doctor that George is very afraid of the cupboard. And so at first, he was going to just open the cupboard, but then he scans it with the sonic screwdriver. And at the 19 minute mark, mm-hmm. okay, so the episode is almost half over. At the 19 minute mark, the Doctor freaks out because the readings he's getting from from the sonic about the cupboard are, in his words, off the scale. Yeah, and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. finally, something. You know, that there's something here that that I found emotionally engaging. The fact that the doctor is afraid of the cupboard now because its readings are off the scale, Mm -hmm. that's interesting. The problem is we're 19 minutes into the episode, Mm. yeah, and we then have the doctor debating with the father, should we open this cupboard or not? And at first, the doctor is like, oh, of course we should. And he he gets hysterical talking about how, of course, we should. And then he turns around and gets hysterical talking about, of course, we shouldn't. Mm Mm-hmm. And the scene falls flat because the doctor, this is just Matt Smith in spastic panic mode arguing both sides of a case. And it's just (laughs) filling time. It's not advancing the plot. So then we get to the 27-minute mark, and the episode is now two-thirds over, Mm -hmm. when the doctor has been been saying for a while, I'm missing something. Something's right in front of me, and I'm not seeing it. What is it? And we get one of the Matt Smith Doctor flashbacks to him looking at uh, a family photo album, and in the photo album, it's like when George was born, which was like Christmas eight years ago, only in the pictures before the birth, his mother Claire isn't pregnant mm-hmm. and and he forces the father, whose name you don't really care about <laughs> to to admit something he himself has forgotten, which is Claire can't have kids. Right. right. And it's like, why did I forget that? Claire can't have kids. And as soon as he says Claire can't have kids, I say in my notes, cuckoo's nest, because that's exactly what George is. He's a cuckoo. The doctor even later uses that word. Right. And so for folks who may not be aware, cuckoos are birds. They don't build their own nests. Instead, what they do is they go to the nests of other birds kick out the eggs of the other birds and lay their own egg there so mm. they're they're what are called brood parasites they get other birds to raise their own young mm. and their own young grow fast and big in case there are other uh, other competitor eggs still left in the nest so they outcompete the birds that they're mm. replacing so they're these little invasion of the body snatcher doppelganger birds <laughs> and that's what george is he's he's a cuckoo Eventually, the doctor gives a science fiction name. He says he's from a race called the Tenza that really want to fit in. They psychic Their parents psychically hone in on needy parents who I guess can't have kids and then give them one. And then the Tenza child grows up to be the perfect member of whatever society it's in. And, okay, we're 27 minutes into the episode. The first 27 minutes are basically boring with a few flashes of interest.
0: Well, it's all snappy dialogue right that's what we're, that's the what we're treated to is the snappy dialogue and the funny repartee, except it's not really enough. I mean that it, stuff is it was, great it, it, as, it's not, a, it
1: doesn't work because they're mm-hmm. trying right. to mix it with horror, and the horror is not horrific
0: right it, It's like having you know uh, a meal and you don't get an entree you're just getting the condiments you know and that, that's right. what that, that reputation that dialogue should be a condiment to the story, the plot the the actual events I I agree with that that, that well, there isn't it, there isn't much there
2: and then of course what little action and you know problem solving there is is in the last what fifteen minutes
0: oh maybe even less than that right it, I mean, even it's less like
2: than that I mean of course you're running got the, around you know but there there's still a lot of running around yeah like you said but it's just it it, it really is just kind of a meh episode because there's yeah there's mm-hmm. there's I love it where Rory goes we're dead again <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah that was right. fun. when they first wake up in the house he thinks he and amy may be
2: dead again you know but it's just like okay give us a couple good one-liners mark at is good at that but
0: yes that's it so let's talk about some of the things that 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 might have been you know good little bits like you mentioned like um i the little boy is cute Uh, let's just be honest he's he's really good at what he does he's great at looking scared and cute and uh, i'll be honest at eight years old he looks like my son was like my son at eight years old so there was a I think I'm a little biased in favor mm-hmm. there uh, but um, there's there's a scene where the doctor, I'm sorry, where Amy and Rory, just before they're sucked into the cupboard, they're walking past Georgie's window and that's where Rory says maybe we should the mon- should let the monsters gobble him up and that's apparently the trigger for why yep. George is why afraid get- of them and, and thus thrust them into the cupboard so that so that I that's something I didn't notice on the first watch through. Um, another thing that was interesting was uh, the dad is watching TV. It turns out he's watching BBC One on Saturday night, which is when Doctor Who airs. So <laughs> that they were yeah. at the time. So I thought that was that was a a, a nice thing. Uh, what what else was there? That goes does a lot. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I'm looking at my notes and. The doctor says, uh, he's got this long, uh, yeah, it was this long thing about monsters are real. And he talks to Alex. That's not really, it wasn't all that great. But there is there is actually one thing I want to mention. So he says, to when he's talking to George, he says, when I was your age, I loved a good bedtime story. And he mentions three. The three little centaurans, oh, yeah. the Emperor Dalek's new clothes, and Snow White and the seven keys to keys doomsday. Yeah. Which is, that's a reference to a an old, a, a classic Who story, right? The seven keys to doomsday, right? It well, is you, a
1: reference to elsewhere in the mythos. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, okay. So I thought that was. I would like to see those actually as uh, good storybooks. Those would be good. <laughs> price, price,
1: hasn't. Of course, you know there you is know. a Time Lords uh, bedtime storybook. There is. Oh, mm-hmm,
0: cool. Yeah. I, have, I have to I have to find that. So the wh- another element to this to point out is that this is a nobody dies episode, even mm-hmm. though it's a horror the horror themed episode. So nobody dies. Everybody recovers. Everybody comes back to the way they were. They have
2: to because otherwise, the little kid would have been the one to kill them.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that would really be horrible. You wouldn't be able to do that.
2: You get the poor, the poor little old lady who ha- wakes up in the in the the trash pile and trying to figure out what happened. Oh, must have been the must have been the medication she took that caused her to pass <laughs> out in the trash pile.
0: <laughs> lady, what medication are you taking? <laughs> so, the doctor says a, 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 the scariest place in the universe is a child's bedroom. You know, mm. which maybe my kids' bedrooms, but uh, that's I, for the, what, the mess. But
2: <laughs> one thing I will say, I did like the the effects of the you know the shadows and everything, because of course that's you know all of us who were kids, you know, when we were kids, we had shadows we were afraid of, you know, and yeah. and you know, and it was kind of effective where they would they would set up the toys so the shadow would look like a you know a, a dinosaur or something like that, you know, a monster coming or something right. like that. You know, because right. everybody's had those moments where the, a shadow just catches them wrong or whatever. I mean, that was effective. I mean, it wasn't interesting, but it was effective at least. Yeah. I think we're struggling on this one. <laughs> I'm struggling to have more to say,
1: but. Well, I'm holding back, you know, about the end game. I kind of summarized how we get up to the end yep. game. But okay. then once we. So in the house, we have a bunch of creeping around with Amy and Rory at first, and then they discover a doll, which is. And, f- you know, for the listener who hasn't seen this, the dolls are like roughly human size, maybe a little shorter. They're Mm -hmm. made out of wood. They they look creepy. Oh, yeah. These are Mm -hmm. not attractive children's dolls. These are pretty creepy children's dolls. And at first, they think, oh, it's just a dummy. And then they encounter, and Rory like thunks it on its wooden head. And then later, they encounter the landlord, who has been sucked into the dollhouse as well, because... He had come to collect the rent, and he was very menacing to George's dad, Mm -hmm. whose name doesn't matter, and (laughs) he went back up to his apartment and was watching TV himself with his dog, and he got sucked through the carpet. And him getting sucked through the carpet is nice. It's a good visual effect. He ends up in the dollhouse. Amy and Rory encounter him as he's being chased by these wooden dolls who are like Come, we want to play. Don't run away, is stuff, and um, and they they grab him, and then he becomes a doll, mm. and and so then Rory and Amy are trying to evade the dolls, but they end up getting Amy, and she becomes a doll, and so Rory is left alone. Eventually, you know, when the doctor and the father, whose name doesn't matter, open the cupboard, George wi- wills them into the. I almost said cornfield, into the dollhouse. (laughs) And so now they're down there with Rory, and the doctor is piecing together what's happened. He realizes that this is all being produced by George, and something must have happened to cause this, that there's like a psychological feedback loop happening here, and he needs to figure out what the initiating trigger was. And it turns out, based on another Matt Smith flashback, that it was the parents speculating apparently at some point in the past which we didn't see they had speculated maybe maybe the doc maybe we'll call a doctor and he'll need to take george away you know like to mm-hmm. a mental health facility and because george is a tenza the thing he wants to do most of all his biological evolutionary imperative is to fit in and so the idea of being rejected by his parents, is the worst thing imaginable to attend a child. And so that's what has caused George to become afraid of everything, because he's afraid he's going to be rejected by his foster parents and be taken away. And, and that represents evolutionary failure for him. And so the doctor manages to talk George—he's he, trying to talk George down— and say, look, it's you, you you this is something that you can control, you're causing this, you need to make it stop, you need to face your fear, all this kind of stuff. And that works well enough to get George down into the dollhouse himself, at which point the dolls start going after George. And the dad then saves the day because he declares his love for his son. And no matter what else is the case, even though he's not a human, you're still my son. And parental magic is the solution. This is a power of love. This is a cheap power of love situation. Now, I have nothing at all, at all against stories where parents save children and that's the solution to the drama. That's fine. But I think showing parental love is a great thing in ordinary cases where it's the love that motivates the parents to solve the problem. What I find cheap are solutions where the parents' love itself magically dispels the problem. Yeah. Mm. This, is, this is something I've seen in multiple different kinds of fiction. It's even in Harry Potter and i always find it cheap and saccharine where you have this mm, just just express your love and all the problems melt away mm-hmm. that's cheap right. writing and that's and so i find this episode as having a cheap solution and then now that the psychic spell is broken we have the and it was all a dream ending
0: mm-hmm. right if everyone's back they in their places and george and dad and do- the doctor are making pancakes when mom comes home and With Kipper. george is yep. yeah yeah and uh, george is magically better and uh you know everything is fine we we go on you know, you're right about that whole like the love being the solution as opposed to the motivator to find a solution it feels like this episode's ending is is just rushed it's just sort of plopped on see this is the template right love is it and we're on you know we're done and it's like the dad there's no cost to that love there's no cost to the dad really apart from having to admit that i'm going to be okay with being a dad to uh an alien kid who's an alien Mm -hmm. baby you know an alien kid and it's like but there's no cost he doesn't have to give anything he doesn't have to do anything it's not like taken where liam neeson has to go and you know rescue his daughter and fight the bad guys he doesn't he doesn't have to fight the peg dolls even or whatever the you know the wooden dolls here
1: oh come on dom he has to masculinely brush past them
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) push
2: one out of the way a little bit
0: yeah yeah you're right you're uh, right it it would be better if there were more the dad had to do
2: i I will say you know for some of the complaints we've had with modern who it is good that the dad is portrayed in a good light as you know Mm -hmm. as a good father figure as someone who cares for his son i mean I mean, both, both parents really, of course, Claire is basically, she's there in the beginning and then goes to work and comes back at the end after work. So we really don't see her. But the fact is, both parents are presented in a very good light, you know, the very, you know, and it, it's, we've had a lot of complaints in the past, Doctor Who, especially during the Russell T Davies era about parents being mothers, especially, but parents being portrayed very negatively. So yeah. it, it's, it's, let's give credit where credit do. They actually show parents well in this one.
1: Yeah, also later in the Stephen Moffat era, like during uh, the 12th Doctor's time, we have, what? like, what's up with Bill's mom and her yeah, foster I mean, mom, you know? Right,
0: right, right. And it's interesting, the the flipping of the script a little bit, where it's the dad who's at home because he yeah. doesn't have a job, and the mom's at work. But I, And I like seeing dads in relationships with their kids. I like that in a positive way. That, he's and you're right. He's a, he's a he's a good dad. He's not a he's not a perfect dad. He's got his problems, but he's a good dad. I do like that. That is one of the things I like about this. So you're right. That's that's a that's a positive here. I do want to point out at the very end, as we're, as they are wrapping up on the TARDIS, we hear the uh, the dolls singing their nursery rhyme again, over you know over it's tick, sort of tick, voiceover. Tick-tock yeah.
1: goes the clock even for the doctor, and they show right. us yep. the Lake Silencio graphic.
0: Right. That's our reference to the season arc. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether that's supposed to be the dolls are still existing. I don't know. I don't want to put too much no, thought into that. No, <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it, and they'll
1: bring that kind of nursery rhyme back as we get mm-hmm, right. closer to the series. But it's just, it's non-diegetic. It's just the showmakers
2: winking at the audience and reminding us this is still out there. It's it's, right. it's it's like the, the crack always showing up in every episode last season.
0: That's true. You know, it's that's the same true. same
2: idea Is they got to make sure they add some, by the way, we're still doing the story arc. It's still there.
0: <laughs> right, right, right.
1: And that's one actually, uh, you know, there are some people who complained about those recurring elements being intrusive. And this, th- in this case, I agree. I
2: don't, I don't see how it really adds anything. Mm-mm. Right. Well, it was just tacked on the last, you know, three minutes of the episode, just to put it there.
0: Anything else that needs to be said about Night Terrors?
1: One thing that I kind of thought about as I was watching the first half of this episode is how it would compare to Classic Who. Because mm-hmm. in Classic Who, you could have episodes that were slow-moving. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so I was like thinking, how would this play with Ian and Barbara and Susan? Mm-hmm. You know, for mm-hmm. example. Because they could, they could have really relaxed pace in some episodes. But it still was more interesting than this. I thought just there's something about this that doesn't work because horror is meant to be high tension, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas just relaxing by a Roman, you know, fireplace and talking about being in Rome for a five minutes, okay, that's that's just local color. It's not meant to be high tension. But watching a little kid have night terrors is meant to be high tension, and when it's not, it just falls right. flat.
0: Right. What's the one that's later where it has the uh, the lump in the middle of the bed, the one with Danny Pink? Hush. Uh, hush, or right. Or listen. I mean, that... Is it hush? Maybe you... it's listen. Yeah. One of the two. But that one had real tension and fear and in jeopardy and... And involve the kid and that sort well, of thing, and that that was more effective.
2: And, and mm-hmm. the thing too is with 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 this high tension, it doesn't necessarily have to be high action. You know, yeah. you can ha- you know, there's some excellent psychological thrillers. I mean, watch some of, of Hitchcock's stuff. There's not a lot right. of action in it. Or but what, psych- watch Wait Until Dark with Audrey Hepburn. That is awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is really awesome, and it is not. It, it, there's very little action in
2: it but it is it is really but frightening you still got to have something to you know again the doctor's saying they're making tea with with Alex the dad it's just like okay this is really exciting
0: yeah right right <laughs> it yeah and it's having again witty repartee uh yeah you're right right it it so i think we're agreed on this um not not terrible not great no 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 terrible okay see that's oh, I'm, okay. I'm only
2: to give them the the it's meh
0: <laughs> yeah. okay i i yeah all right yeah. no that's right jimmy you said earlier yeah that it's it's not good so i i would say there are aspects of it i like yeah and i would agree with that but there's much of it i don't like i, I guess and, is, is, the, is and that. and
2: by the way one thing you mentioned at the beginning jimmy where you didn't remember this episode i remember thinking that too actually when i watched it last last night i went why do i not remember this episode you know as, as i'm pulling it up on the list on the screen it's like why do i not remember this episode and then, of course, watch is like, oh, that's why it's forgettable.
0: Yeah, yeah it is forgettable. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten much about it too. All I remember was the the, the dolls and how creepy they were. But uh, that was it. All right, I think I think that's enough on night terrors. We can uh, we can put this one to bed. Ah, uh-huh. see what I did there. I see <laughs> that. Yes. So as we wrap things up, I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including. Benjamin B, Kathleen F, Tom L, Daniel D, and Kelly B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. Now's a great time to become a StarQuest patron thanks to a generous gift from a supporter who uh, is going to match by an equal amount your gift for the first three months that will support all our shows, including this one, and makes your gift go even further. And we're more than halfway to our goal of $2,000 in new monthly pledges, which we need to do in order to accomplish some things for the network and for the show. So will not you help us close the gap? If you've been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, now's the time. Visit sqpn.com slash give today. And thank you to Victor Lambs, who once again edits the show for us every week. So what do you think of Night Terrors? You, If you have a, a better opinion of it than we do, or you have an idea that we missed, Let us know by commenting at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the seventh Doctor story, The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who.
2: Thanks, Tom, and and very appropriate to end on a dad joke. (laughs)
0: Yes, it is. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well.
2: Thank you, and sweet
0: dreams. (laughs) And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, pantophobia. Not a fear of pants, though, if that's what you're thinking. It's a fear of everything, including pants. I suppose in that case. Right. This is going to be fun.